The following presentation of Walking Through the Twelve Steps and Twelve Traditions is from a previous broadcast and is a production of Take 12 Recovery Radio. Some portions of this show may have included promotions or giveaways that were time-sensitive and may no longer be applicable. To listen and download more of Walking Through the Twelve Steps and Twelve Traditions, visit our website at take12radio.com and click on Recovery Workshops. I've got to give it up. The views expressed on this episode of Walking Through the Twelve Steps and Twelve Traditions with Chris Schroeder do not necessarily reflect those of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting or our affiliates. KHLT is not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. Now here's those two guys who investigate prior to contempt, Chris and the Monty Man. Got to give it up, Thin Lizzy. Chris, welcome uh, my brother once again and all of you who are tuning in to Take12Radio.com on your internet dial. Uh, it is a pleasure to have all of you with us and particularly Chris who is on the phone from back east, from east to the west coast. We are bringing you Simply one of the finest broadcasts on the air today. <laughs> Absolutely, Monty. Yeah. I agree with that. How are you doing? This um, I'm I'm doing chipper. I got my cup of iced coffee here in front of me, and uh, <clears throat> the reason I drink iced coffee, Chris, it, I think it's a I think it's a remnant from from addictive behavior because instant gratification takes way too long. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I am I'm a I'm a mocha Java addict myself. Have you ever Have you ever tried those? Oh yeah, I love them. The Java monsters. Oh, uh, they're, they're so bad. You know, I started drinking them one time, and, and I and I found that I was having like two a day. It was crazy. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a place up on the coast called Mad Hatter, and their their basic cup is nine shots. <laughs> and when they had the NA convention up there last year, that place made bucks, man. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm telling you, you know, it, it, it's funny. That, it, it, you know, in the earlier days of the, 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 uh, the 12-step fellowships, everything was cigarettes and coffee, like real strong coffee and cigarettes. You couldn't even see in some of the meetings. <laughs> and, you know, uh, what, what science has basically shown today that, that – Three things are very, very bad for people in recovery. Uh, sugar, caffeine, and nicotine. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and they were pushing two of them in the, in the meetings, which was pretty funny. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, we are on this. Now, week- I think, yeah, now I think they're only pushing one. So Yeah, well, you know, so many people are, are, are drinking the energy drinks thing. But I'm noticing that that's starting to fade away, too, because they're making people sick. Yeah. You know, it it can't be good for you. And uh, over over the course of time, I think it takes us a long time to learn. Yeah, alcoholics or addicts, Monty. Sometimes, sometimes people <laughs> wonder why it takes us a decade to learn something that should have taken us five minutes to learn. But I think we do learn, and, and I think we do. Uh, we are going to make decisions uh, 
uh, that are in our best interests. You know, the, the, the more we more we put uh, more work we put into uh, our recovery. That, that's at least what I see. Yeah, I agree. All right. So uh, last week we did step ten. This week we're on uh, step eleven. Absolutely. You know, uh, I love step eleven. Step step eleven is one of the steps where you can get some you can get some immediate bang for your buck. Lots of these steps, Monty, are cumulative. In other, in other words, it, when you take them, sometimes you don't necessarily get the full benefit of taking that step right away because they're cumulative. Mm. But in step eleven, you know, seeking through prayer and meditation. You you do it you do a prayer or you, uh, you you do a period of meditation and you can get an immediate bang for your buck. This, this is this is a this is a step that you know if you become disciplined at it, it's going to change your life. It's going to change your ability to cope with the world. It's going to change your personality. It's going to change uh, the values that you have. Uh, it's it's going to shift your perception and your perspective in 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 a very very spiritual direction, and that's all to the good. Yeah. Because again, you know, our real problem is alcoholism, or our real problem is drug addiction, and our real solution is spiritual living. And it's through uh, it's through things like step eleven that we learn how to how to uh, how to grow spiritually. Yeah, just briefly, I want to talk a little bit before we even start reading in uh, in the twelve and twelve money. I want to talk a little bit about how uh, how the first AA members historically approached uh, prayer meditation. They were uh, they basically were uh, were following the playbook from the Oxford group, and in the Oxford group, they would do uh, they would do a morning meditation, and uh, they would do an evening review. And the morning meditation was essential for these Oxford group people. They would no more do without a morning prayer and meditation uh, ritual than they would leave the house without their pants on. It's, <laughs> it, you know, in Dr. Bob and the Good Old Timers, Dr. Bob makes a statement that people love to quote today because it seems so outrageous. And his statement was, that morning meditation, morning quiet time was essential. Meetings were optional. So, you know, how'd you, how'd you like to bring that up, you know, in your 12-step <laughs> group of choice yeah, as, really. a, as a meeting topic? People would freak out on you because that would seem so so unorthodox, so heretical. However, however, back in the day, they saw their program, they saw their recovery process having to do with this devotional approach of a morning meditation. And Monty, here's how they, here's how they would do it. I did a lot of historical uh, studying, let's say 15 or 20 years ago on this. It just fascinated me. And you know, I read all these books, and you know, I, found, I found a ton of old Oxford Group books, and you know, I got into it for a while. So uh, I really kind of know how, they, how the majority of the Oxford Group members were doing this. And they would basically do this together as a fellowship or in a family unit. They rarely would do it alone. But they would sit down and they would start with a prayer. And the prayer would be from the book of James, or it would be from the upper room. That was a, that was a, a, a I think it was a Methodist or, or Episcopal uh, uh, devotional, devotional uh, yeah. uh, thing. Kind of like the grapevine is for AA, you know. The, the they still have it, too. For, for these denominations. 
and they, and they would they would they would start off with some type of a prayer, and then they would get quiet, and they would wait for guided thoughts. And how they would do that would is they would actually have a, a, a pen or a pencil and a, a pad of paper in front of them, and they would do maybe twenty minutes of meditation. And when a guided thought, when what they believed was an inspired thought would come, like 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 uh, you know, get Aunt Fanny a fruit basket. They would write that guided thought down, and when they would come out of this meditation, they would share their guided thoughts with each other. And if they met the four qualifications, and the four qualifications were the four absolutes, absolute honesty, absolute purity, absolute unselfishness, and absolute love, if those guided thoughts could be put up against those four absolutes and pass muster, they believed that that was a thought from God. That's how they thought God would direct you. Seek through, uh, uh, you know, seek to be directed by God through these inspired or intuitive thoughts. But they would check them with other people. Now, wow, this is the cauldron where Dr. Bob and Bill Wilson learned their their eleven step devotions, and and Dr. Bob continued the Oxford Group style eleven uh, step morning meditation, evening review for, for his whole life. Bill Wilson experimented. He, he was like me. He was never really a joiner. He never really joined a specific uh, religious denomination, but boy, he experimented. Boy, did he study, and boy, did he take uh, direction. He had many, many religious spiritual advisors. And, you know, very, very interesting. But, but anyway, this is where the 11th step came from. Bill Wilson sanitized it a little bit so that it was, uh, you know, it was a little less Christian, you know, for good or for bad money. Sure. That's another argument. <clears throat> sure. But, uh, but he sanitized it a little bit, and he, and he, and he, uh, he put it in the, uh, the book Alcoholics Anonymous. And, uh, and he's writing an essay in the 12 and 12 on it. So uh, that's, that's the, and, and many people have criticized the essays uh, of uh, Step 10 and Step 11 in the, in the uh, 12 by 12 because they believe that he gets the 10th and 11th step wrong. Like, if you go back in the book Alcoholics Anonymous, you'll see that, that, you know, it doesn't seem like he's talking about the right step when he's talking about it in the 12 and 12. But I believe believe this, and I've come to this, uh, uh, this belief over many, many years, is he wasn't getting it wrong. He just didn't see numbers attached to the steps anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. So these steps, so these steps as a living devotional process, not a numbered, you know, checklist uh, to 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 uh, to knock off every day. He saw it more as a holistic spiritual process. So you know, uh, does it seem like he get, gets the the numbers wrong? Uh, it it kind of does, but does it matter? Uh, no, I don't believe it. Does. And I think Chris, I I I think really ultimately. Um, that's kind of what we want to do anyway. We want to, we want this step process to be something that's living and breathing and active in our lives. So so we don't have to carry around a notebook in our pocket every time we have a conflict. Oh, let's see what steps should I apply? That it becomes like an automatic thing. It's part of our thinking process. Absolutely, it's not a, it's not a mechanical program. Yeah. It's a spiritual program. Yeah. So so again, I've seen many many people get really dogmatic about it. I, you know, I've had, I've had periods of that myself where, you know, you, it, it has to be exactly a four-column inventory on this, and then a four-column fear inventory, and then a 13-column 
uh, conduct inventory, and then you have to do this, and then you have to do that, and then you got to use this particular form, and Joe and Charlie's form is wrong, and this way. And, you know, I've, I've gone through a little bit of that myself. But when, but when people are caught up in the, in, the, in the drama of the mechanics, they can, uh, they can be so focused uh, on, uh, on a tree, one tree, that they don't get the benefit of the woods. Right. If that makes any sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep, you bet. Listen, what, what counts is thoroughness, honesty, uh, uh, perseverance. Uh, you, you know, those are the things, willingness, those are the things that count when you're approaching these steps. It doesn't necessarily mean that one person is going to stay sober if they've done if they've used the right four step form or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's not that's not how you get spiritually graded. You get spiritually graded through you know your your honesty, your willingness, your open mindedness, and your persistence. Uh, that's kind of what I believe. Good. That's really good. All right, let's get started here. This is Step 11, page 96 of the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions. So through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God, as we understood Him, praying for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. Prayer and meditation are a principal means of conscious contact with God. We AAs are active folks, enjoying the satisfactions of dealing with the realities of life, usually for the first time in our lives and strenuously trying to help the next alcoholic who comes along. So it isn't surprising that we often tend to slate serious meditation and prayer as something not really necessary. To be sure, we feel it is something that might help us to meet an occasional emergency, but at first many of us are apt to regard it as a somewhat mysterious skill of clergymen, from which we may hope to get a second-hand benefit. Or perhaps we don't believe in these things at all. To certain newcomers and to those one-time agnostics who still cling to the AA group as their higher power, claims for the power of prayer may, despite all logic and experience and the proof of it, still be unconvincing or quite objectionable. Those of us who once felt this way can certainly understand and sympathize. We well remember how something deep inside us kept rebelling against the idea of bowing before any god. Many of us had strong logic, too, which proved there was no god whatever. What about all the accidents, sicknesses, cruelty, and injustice in the world? What about all those unhappy lives which were the direct result of unfortunate births and uncontrolled circumstances? Surely there could be no justice in the scheme of things and therefore no God at all. There's a couple of things I want to talk about there before we move on, Monty. One of them is uh, uh, the, 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 the AA members who still cling to the AA group as their higher power. Now, I don't necessarily think this that it's a bad thing for you to uh, to claim your uh, uh, your 12-step recovery group as a higher power in the beginning. Sometimes that's the best you can do. Somebody can <clears throat> yeah. do, and I would I would rather somebody start there than not be able to get started at all. But this is basically saying this is basically saying we have learned that we needed to move on from there. The point of recovery is to move on from there and to develop a relationship with God. And here's here's something that I use I use as a defense all the time when people are arguing with me about one thing or another and they really don't have any experience. And that's this. We talk from experience. We don't talk from opinion. We shouldn't be. 
Now, what I mean by that is, is, is I'll give you this for instance. Someone will come in and say, you know, I got 20 years and I don't meditate. And, you know, I say a prayer every once in a while, but I'm fine. You know, you don't need to do that stuff. That'll be somebody who is basically arguing through an opinion. Now, someone who has actually developed a discipline of prayer and a discipline of meditation can speak on that subject with experience. Someone that hasn't done it can't. You're making an assumption when you're saying just because you've not done it, you don't need to do it. That, you know, that's not a good argument. No, it's not. <laughs> and we do hear it. You know what I mean? We hear it a lot. We hear it more than we should. But yeah, you bet. I've 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 come across this with people that I I have. They haven't just said they've been around for a long time. I've seen them. I years ago, almost twenty eight years ago, I started coming to this one group, and some of those people are still there. Not a whole lot, but some are, and there are a few of them that do that. <clears throat> I didn't do this. I'm just fine. I didn't do that. I'm just fine. But when you look at their demeanor, Chris, I really wonder about that. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, listen. We we wouldn't we wouldn't we wouldn't you know speak from non-experience if we were talking about medical issues. You know, right? Well, you know, I, I never had a triple bypass. I don't think you should have a triple bypass. You know, your doctor <laughs> says you should have a triple bypass. I never had a triple bypass. I mean, you wouldn't hear foolishness like that. You know, yet you hear that. You hear that in recovery meetings all the time. <laughs> people people speaking with uh, you know with with like zero experience and really thinking you know that uh, that they're right. It's it's absolutely bizarre sometimes. You know what I mean? The other part of this paragraph that I want to talk about is it talks about what about all the accidents, sicknesses, cruelty, and injustice? Now, I had to get past this. uh, There was a a really great author, uh, uh, C.S. Lewis, who wrote a great book, Mere Christianity, but he also wrote a book called The Problem of Pain. Now, it's not the only book that talks about this problem, but there is a problem that some people need to get past to be able to develop a spirituality, and that is the problem of pain, the problem of injustice. They'll reason this way, Monty. You know, what about the Holocaust? What about earthquakes where whole entire cities are engulfed? You know, how could God do such a thing? Now, you, you you need some people, I'm not saying you and me, but some people need to figure out that problem of pain to be able to believe in uh, a just and uh, loving creator. And, you know, one of the ways that I do it, and that's just one of the ways I do it, is I don't believe that God is in charge of earthquakes. I don't believe God was in charge of the Nazis who, who you know, created the Holocaust. I, I believe that there are certain physical laws, and I believe that God gave us a covenant of free will. And some people can use that covenant wrong, and because we're on this planet and certain physical laws have to happen, you're going to have volcanoes and earthquakes. You know, I don't, I don't believe that, that, that God says, you know, let's get that Monty guy, you know, let's, let's, right, stricken, right. let's stricken him with the plague. You know, I, I, and, and the Schroeder guy, let's, let's have him get a raise. I, you know, I don't think that's the kind of games that, that, that God plays. <clears throat> yeah. God has more to do with spirituality. God has more to do with 
with uh, with the ultimate love behind everything. You know what I mean? And we can rightly relate ourselves to God, and we can rightly relate ourselves through spiritual practices, and we can uh, get attuned to that spirituality, and we'll we'll benefit greatly from it. But we can't we can't stop the whole process by saying, "What about pain?" We need to figure we need to figure that stuff out. And it's real interesting that you know Bill Wilson has uh, has us has us doing that. You, you know what I mean? Okay, I, I was going to say too that a lot of times, you know, pain has been a motivator for me, and what I thought was this horrible thing that I was going through ended up being a tremendous blessing. And, and, and But you're right. So many people have such a difficult time with this thing. If there was a loving God, why doesn't he do this? Why does he do that? And, uh, I mean, even as, even as a Christian, um, I can become very agnostic. You know, I, everything's going great as long as the bills are paid and all, everybody's not, nobody's sick in the house. But as, as soon as, as soon as my one of my kids gets just violently ill, I'm I'm agnostic as get I'll get out. I'm like, God, you make a lot of promises. Why isn't my son, you know, getting well? And da 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 da. You really loved him like you say you did. Yeah, I can go there, really, real easy. And so I've had to get past this not only in the beginning, but sometimes still today I have to get past this a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Sure, sure. I, yeah. You know, I, I do understand. It's, it, it can be a problem. Yeah. You know, what we, can't, what we can't do, though, is we can't stop the whole process. No. You know, finding God's will for us, you know, through the recovery process. We can't just stop because of, uh, of, of one of these arguments. Right, that's because, right. You know, would you rather write or would you rather survive? Yeah. You know, <laughs> and it's sometimes what our real choice is. So sometimes we took a slightly different tack. Sure, we said to ourselves the hen probably did come before the egg. No doubt the universe had a first cause of some sort. The God of the atom may be hot and cold by turns. But certainly there wasn't any evidence of a God who knew or cared about human beings. We liked AA all right, and we were quick to say that it had done miracles. But we recoiled from meditation and prayer as obstinately as the scientists who refused to perform a certain experiment lest it prove his pet theory wrong. Of course, we, fo- we finally did experiment, and when unexpected results followed, we felt different. In fact, we knew different, and so we were sold on meditation and prayer. And that, we have found, can happen to anybody who tries. It has been well said that almost uh, the only scoffers at prayer are those who never tried it enough. And that's what I said before, Monty. We talk about experience. We don't talk, you know, opinions kill people. Sharing experience uh, helps, helps save people. We we need to we need to hear experience. We really opinions are terrible, and and again, it is an opinion. If somebody says prayer meditation uh, are, are ridiculous, I don't do it. It's an opinion. That's like, that's like you know that's basically like like, like saying uh, so, you know something something crazy like. Uh, 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 you know, uh, smoking doesn't hurt you. I've been smoking three packs a day for forty years. You know, that's not a legitimate. It's not a legitimate uh, argument. No. Those of us who have come to make regular use of prayer would no more do without it than we would refuse, refuse air, food, or sunshine. And for the same reason, when we refuse air, light, or food, the body suffers. And when we turn away from meditation and prayer. We likewise deprive our minds, our emotions, and our intuitions of vitally needed support. 
As the body can fail its purpose for lack of nourishment, so can the soul. We all need the light of God's reality, the nourishment of his strength, and the atmosphere of his grace. To an amazing extent, the facts of AA life confirm this ageless truth. And that is an ageless truth. What a wonderful sentence, Monty. We all need the light of God's reality, the nourishment of his strength, and the atmosphere of his grace. Is that a wonderful sentence or what? Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, just that phrase, God's reality, the nourishment of his strength. Uh and the atmosphere of his grace, the nourishment of his strength. Because, and I often say this to people, I say, well, why, <clears throat> when you're going through this, Monty, and you're going through that, why are you still smiling? I, I say, because it's not my strength. It's not my joy. It's like the joy of God is my strength, not my joy. My joy is crappy right now. <laughs> but but I could, it because it's his. And, and having gone through these steps and learned how to apply and implement them, I can tap into that power because the steps showed me a need for a power. I could tap into that power and not be powerless anymore be, as long as I stay in fit spiritual condition. And I get that nourishment. And, and nourishment sometimes comes comes uh, as things that, you know, I mean, think about food. I don't like broccoli, Chris, but I know it's good for me. You know, and I know McDonald's hamburgers aren't. And uh, so sometimes nourishment can be a little unpleasant, but it, it, it comes and it gives us that strength and it comes from him. Yeah, I, you know, I so agree. There is a direct linkage among self-examination, meditation, and prayer. Taken separately, these practices can bring much relief and benefit. But when they are logically related and interwoven, the result is an unshakable foundation for life. Mm. Now and then we may be granted a glimpse of that ultimate reality, which is God's kingdom. And, w and we will be comforted and assured that our own destiny in that realm will be secure for so long as we try, however falteringly, to find and do the will of our Creator. As we have seen, self-searching is the means by which we bring new vision, action, and grace to bear upon the dark and negative side of our natures. It is a step in the development of that kind of humility that makes it possible for us to receive God's help. Yet it is only a step we will want to go further. You know, listen, if, if it's only by the grace of God that we are going to be able to get and stay sober, you know, how do we get that grace? How do, and this is basically saying, uh, in this step is the development of the kind of humility that makes it possible for us to receive God's help. So we, we need to do some certain thing to make ourselves ready to be able to receive the help from God. We can't just, can't just pray for it. I mean, uh, listen, a prayer, uh, I, I said a prayer early on, you know, in, in my uh, very early days of sobriety, you know, uh, day one of getting sober, I said a prayer, and uh, I believe that prayer was answered. Uh, but there was a lot of work that was involved on my part that mm -hmm. I know was necessary mm -hmm. to make myself ready to be able to receive uh, the, the kind of grace that's necessary for continued and prolonged <clears throat> sobriety. One of the prayers, <coughs> excuse me, one of the, one of the, the prayers are, are the, the, the suggestions that I've heard in the rooms, and I understand the heart behind it, and I, I, I don't really have a problem with it unless... <coughs> Excuse me, in, unless a person takes it in the direction that it's not meant to be. And that is that prayer, um, okay, 
uh, ask God to make you willing to be willing if you're not willing or willing to be willing to be willing if you're not willing. And I'm thinking to myself, if I sat down and asked God to help me be willing and that's all I ever did and I didn't get up off my rear end and do something, uh, it's probably not going to come. You know, and I and I look I, I look at examples uh uh, I look at even uh, uh, examples of uh, the founders and, and compare them to some of the uh, uh, characters in the Bible. I mean, you know, these guys, they stepped out on faith and then God moved. Now, I know that I can't even ask, I don't even have the desire to ask to be willing without God's power. That's not even coming from me. But I do understand that if I'm not willing to put to put one step in the water, he's not going to part the sea. You know what I'm saying? Oh, <laughs> uh, you know it's it's absolutely true. Uh, you, you know we we can you know we can we can fit ourselves to be ready though. And yeah. Listen, listen. Another thing that you hear uh, a lot of times in recovery groups is this: if if I you know when I came in, if they would have told me there was all these steps I would have had to do, and there's all this work I had to do, they start talking about work. I'd have been right out the door. And what I always say when I hear somebody uh, saying something like that is, "Buddy, you're you're you know, uh, you you are misinterpreting how much we would care whether or not you left of the group or not, because because I'll tell you what, that kind of negativity is not what anybody needs. That that's killing negativity. You can you can actually be killing somebody who's in real trouble. And, you know, you, you may not be as sick of an alcoholic or a drug addict as the person who absolutely has to do that work. So, so shut up uh, about whether you need to do it or not, or whether, you know, if when you came in they told you that, you know, you would have to do work, you'd have been out the door. You know, uh, trust me, nobody would have cared whether you would have been out the door or not. You know, you, you know we didn't need you. You needed us. Uh, you know what I mean? So uh, I don't know. I get I get uh, very very frustrated with uh, I do too with people like that. Do you ever? Have, you deal with them? For the most part, when you've attended a, a meeting, uh, do you usually see the steps on the wall someplace? Well, I, you know, I, I've heard I've heard tell Monty that you know they have window shades everywhere. You right, know, and, right. And you 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 <clears throat> those window shades from uh, from intergroup or or. Uh, uh, world service, and that's kind of traditional. So yes, they're up on the wall. Yeah, and so here's my point. I, I love it when people say, "If I had to come in here and saw God all over the wall like, like I do today, I would have left." And I'm thinking, but that's been hanging up there 20 years before you came in, and guess what? You're still here. You know what, Monty? <laughs> uh, the 12 step, uh, the 12 step fellowships slash 12 step programs are unapologetically about accessing the power of God to solve your problems. And if you're hearing something different, you're in a bad group. Yeah, Get amen. Get out. Yeah, run. They're not, they're <laughs> not traditional, and they're not operating with best practices in mind. You know what I mean by yes. best practices? The, the stuff that actually works. Amen. So, uh, so, so. Anyway, unapologetically about the power of God uh, being being made manifest in one's life, and that's the way it's been for you know uh, seventy years. 
in the 12 step groups and if you know somebody comes in you know with a new plan uh what i would say is prove that your new plan has a rarely have we seen a person fail who's thoroughly followed the path prove that your new plan has a rarely have we seen a person fail and i might start listening to you but they never can because <laughs> they don't those those new plans don't work you know what i'm saying yep we want we will want the good that is in us all, even in the worst of us, to flower and to grow. Most certainly, we shall need bracing air and an abundance of food. But first of all, we shall want sunlight. Nothing much can grow in the dark. Meditation is our step out into the sun. How then shall we meditate? The actual experience of meditation and prayer across the centuries is, of course, immense. The world's libraries and places of worship are a treasure trove for all seekers. It is to be hoped that every AA who has a religious connection which emphasizes meditation will return to the practice of that devotion as never before. But what about the rest of us who, less fortunate, don't even know how to begin? Well, we might start like this. First, let's look at a really good prayer. We won't have far to seek. The great men and women of all religions have left us a wonderful supply. Here, let us consider one that is a classic. Its author was a man who, for several hundred years now, has been rated a saint. We won't be biased or scared off by that fact, because although he was not an alcoholic, he did, like us, go through the emotional ringer. And as he came out uh, the other side of that painful experience, this prayer was his expression of what he could then see, feel, and wish to become. Of course, this is the prayer of St. Francis. Lord, make me a channel of my peace, that where there is hatred, I may bring love, that where there is wrong, I may bring the spirit of forgiveness, and that where there is discord, I may bring harmony, that where there is error, I may bring truth, that where there is doubt, I may bring faith, and that where there is despair, I may bring hope. That where there are shadows, I may bring light, and that where there is sadness, I may bring joy. Lord, grant that I may seek rather to comfort than to be comforted, to understand than be understood, to love than be loved. For it is by self-forgetting that one finds, it is by forgiving that one is forgiven, it is by dying that one awakens to eternal life. Amen. And that really, really is a wonderful prayer. And again, a lot of people, uh, a lot of people take this prayer as part of the program, and it's really not. What it is is it's an example of the type of prayers you are supposed to use prior to going into meditation, like they did back in the auction. Right, and it's, a, it's a great one, but there's a, there's a lot of them. You know, there's a lot of different meditation sure. books you can use. There's a lot of different prayers. And I, I've got to interject here because it, it, it just as an interesting point, Saint Francis actually didn't write that. Um, I don't know if you know the history behind it, but uh, it was it was something that was put on cards to the military and and, and other folks, and and they put a picture of St. Francis with the with the what is it, the little the bird bath and the bird uh, okay. on there, and it got credited to him, but it actually wasn't written by him. Um, that's interesting. Yeah, and and. and you know, we refer to the Saint as the Saint Francis prayer, and that's fine. Uh, but I just thought that was uh, I did I did a study on on prayers when I was in Bible college, and I and I learned about that. And that nobody is really sure who who did it, but it was actually uh, put together uh, after Saint Francis has already passed away. You know, so many things are attributed, uh, you know, to to our. Uh, to our saints and uh, yeah. to our, our religious people, and, and that's that's been you know a traditional way of oh, and that's fine. Passing, yeah. on, passing on the wisdom teachings, and yes, certainly in the past there was no there was no problem attributing something cool 
to uh, a spiritual master. It got it passed around. It got it published. You know? Yes, yes, and it but really did. Today, it does they reflect see that him. as forgery, you know. But no. back, back <clears throat> then, it really wasn't. It was. Uh, it was more. Uh, you know. It was. It was more about. Um, uh, uh, you know, being. Uh, it was not about forgery. It was. It was about. It was about respect and uh, uh, you know crediting people with. Uh, with wisdom. Well, that's that's the way he did live, and, and so you, it, so it, in a very real way, it is the Saint Francis prayer because it is the, it, it depicts who the man was, and uh, from everything that I've read, it's right on money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a good way to look at it too. Yeah. You know, uh, that 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 speaks to Saint Francis. So you bet. Certainly, it certainly should be a Saint Francis prayer. As beginners in meditation, we might now reread this prayer several times very slowly, savoring every word and trying to take in the deep meaning of each phrase and idea. This is this is guided uh, this is uh, guided prayer, guided meditation. It will help if we can drop all resistance to what uh, our friend says. For in meditation, debate has no place. We rest quietly with the thoughts of someone who knows, so that we may experience and learn. As though lying upon a sunlit beach, let us relax and breathe deeply of the spiritual atmosphere which with, with, uh, with which the grace of this prayer surrounds us. Let us become willing to partake and be strengthened and lifted up by the sheer spiritual power, beauty, and love of which these magnificent, magnificent words are the carriers. Let us look now upon the sea and ponder what it, its mystery is. Let us lift up our eyes to the far horizon beyond which we shall seek all those wonders still unseen. Shucks, says somebody, this is nonsense. It isn't practical. When such thoughts break in, we might recall a little ruefully how much store we used to set by imagination as it tried to create reality out of bottles. Yes, we, we reveled in that sort of thinking, didn't we? And though sober nowadays, don't we often try to do much the same thing? Perhaps our trouble was not that we used our imagination. Perhaps the real trouble was uh, our almost total inability to point imagination toward the right objectives. There's nothing the matter with constructive imagination. All sound achievement rests upon it. After all, no man can build a house until he first envisions a plan for it. Well, meditation is like that, too. It helps to envision our spiritual objective before we try to move toward it. Let's get back to that sunlit beach or the plains or the mountains, if you prefer. One thing I want to mention here, here, Monty, before we go any further, is the different understanding and meaning of meditation in 1935 and 1950 than we have today. Mm. I'll give you I'll give you a friend mm. when, when the when the Beatles brought, brought the Maharishi over to America, meditation as a perspective changed forever. Meditation now looked like sitting in a lotus position uh, chanting om. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, all, of a, all of a sudden it was a, it was Hindu. Meditation was Hindu, but medit- but meditation as a Christian discipline goes way way back. I'll give you a, I'll give you a, for instance. Okay, there was there's a great quote in some very very old uh, uh, old historical documents about how a general for fighting a battle would go out and meditate the battlefield. Mm. The general would go out and he would he would think about how many horses do I have? Where am I going to position my men? Uh, what type of weapons are going to go where? And then he would think about, you know, the possible actions of the enemy. That was called meditating the battle. So often in our, in our morning meditation, it asks us to think about our plans of the day. 
asking for an intuitive thought or an intuitive action, asking God to be part of these guided thoughts so that we can act to the best effect in, during the day. Does that make, it, make any sense? Yeah, it's a little that, bit different. It's that, a little bit of a different perspective than, you know, you might have thought about meditation in the 60s, Monty. That is really good. I, I really, because I have struggled with, with, uh, when people ask me, okay, well, I figure out what prayer is, what's meditation, and, and I, I think just about every time I explain it, I say say it differently. I really like that. Thank you. Yeah, it, it's uh, you know, it's uh, it, it's more about seeking guidance than it is about emptying your mind. So many people think meditating is emptying your mind. That is Buddhist or Hindu or Zen meditation. It's not Christian meditation, per se. Christian meditation is, is always guided. It's, it's uh, you know, it, there's, there's, always, uh, there's always logic behind it. And believe me, these, these early AA members were Christians. They were not Buddhists or Hindus. So, that's, so they, they were talking about, they were talking about uh, uh, center, centering prayer. They were talking about uh, uh guided meditation through using uh, devotional materials. You, you said something or, or read something uh, here, or, or no, talked about it before we started reading about how they spent time uh, uh, praying and then they spent quiet time. And it's interesting because I just picked up a journal uh, from an organization called Reformers Unanimous, which is a uh, really, it's a discipleship program for people that are, that uh want to be rocketed into the fourth dimension let's put it that way um and one of the during the prayer times it says it has four areas it says uh praise needs forgiveness and protection but after you pray it says pause and that is that that whole idea that the oxford group had of okay now we talk but now we're waiting we have quiet time we're waiting to hear from the master we're waiting to get direction and so many times we approach god with a grocery list and we get up off our knees if we're even on our knees and walk away and we never you know, if you're, you know if you were trying if you were trying to develop a relationship with someone monty and you never shut up you never listen <laughs> all you do is talk how good of a relationship do you think you'd be developing? I don't know. Ask my wife. <laughs> and, and so often, so often, if 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 someone asks you, if if a if a spiritual advisor asks you, what's the most important relationship in your life? They'll say, my relationship with God. Well, how much time did you spend with God today? Yeah, that's your most important relationship. How much time did you spend with everybody else who's not supposed to be as important? You know, and a lot of times we fall short. A lot of times we'll say a quick prayer. You know, I, I remember one of my one of my great spiritual advisors was uh, was Mark Houston. He, he was so beautiful, and I, I remember I remember this this one workshop he was giving, and uh, he asked this guy, "Well, do you do you uh, do you pray and do you meditate?" And the guy says, "Well, yeah, you know, I say I say a good prayer, you know, in the morning, and when I'm driving my truck." You know, I'm a truck driver. I drive my truck. I do some meditation, and and Mark stops and goes, stop, 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 stop right there. Now, from now on, when I ask you a yes or no question, I want a yes or no answer. <laughs> and the question I asked you, I need you to say no. <laughs> and <laughs> you 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 know you don't pray and you don't meditate if that's the way you do it. And listen, when you're about the business of driving a truck. 
we don't want you meditating. We want you to be about the business of driving the truck. <laughs> and and it was it was just a beautiful moment. You know, I need for you to say no. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's great. So, so so many of us have these have these these these, uh, these just stupid little things that we really think count. And and it's 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 not achieving the objectives. It's not following the instructions in the literature. Right. And what we're doing really is we're shortchanging ourselves. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great story. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, my personal development. Uh, I think we're going to have to take two weeks because this is just such powerful stuff. Sure. I hope you don't mind. No, not at all. You know, my personal development on this was 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 such that you know when I first got sober, I you know I got myself a, an advisor as most of us do, and uh, and one one day he came up to me and I had a laundry list of problems. I mean, she left, and you know my the, the motor vehicle from another state caught up with me and. You know, I lost my job, and you know, I, you know, I having problems with this person. I mean, it was a laundry list of drama, and I remember bringing this to him, and it, you know, it had me messed up. And I've got to tell you, I was probably about six months sober at this period of time. And and I go to him, and, and he stops me. You know, I'm I'm listing all this stuff out like the the uh, like I'll get sympathy, or we'll sit down and we'll go over each instance, and it'll help me fix this stuff or something. But what he did was he stopped he stopped me, and he goes he goes Chris, I, I need to ask you. And I go I go what Phil? He goes, do you pray? And I looked at him like he was nuts. <laughs> I looked at him like I looked at him like, what is prayer gonna do? You know, I just lost my job. You know, maybe I need to tell this whole thing to you slower, <laughs> so that you can you can really get it because that's that's an inappropriate question to ask after I've just laid out all my problems. Do I pray? What does that have to do with it? Now he was wise. He was wise beyond my years, certainly. And what he was doing was he was trying to, to point me back toward the ultimate solution to my problem. My problem wasn't that I'd lost my job. My problem wasn't that she left. My, my problem wasn't that I was having, you know, relationship difficulties with someone. My problem was lack of atten uh, attention to spiritual details in my life. That was my real problem. So he was taking all that drama, he was basically putting it off to the side. Let's set aside all that drama for a moment, and let's look back at a spiritual life and what a spiritual life will need. And let's look at where you fall into this. And at six months, money, I had to say I wasn't praying. Sure. He said to me, he goes, Chris, here's what I want you to do. I want you to start slow, and I want you to start simple. Every morning when you get up, I want you to get down on your knees and ask God for the strength and direction to get through the day and to stay sober. And at night, uh, I want you to get down on your knees and thank God for being there uh, with you that day and helping helping you to stay sober. He goes, it's as simple as that. It'll take you 30 seconds a, a day, you know, 15 seconds for in the morning and 15 seconds at night. That's all I'm asking you to do to start. I want you to start doing that. And I go, okay, Phil, I'll do that. You know, I respected him enough to give that a try. And he said, listen, Chris, I also want you to pay attention to the days when you do that, and I want you to pay attention to the days when you don't. And I want you to see, I want you to see what the results are, whether it's a better day when you do 
or or it makes no difference. And within within several months, Monty, I was a believer in morning prayer and meditation. From that moment forward, I would no longer leave my house before doing my morning prayer and meditation than I would leave my mm. house without a pair of pants on. I yeah. am telling you, it, it, it was, it's more important than that. And it was only because I was able to compare the days when I forgot, because listen, you know, I was spinning dry still at six months. Uh, I, you know, some days I would forget to do that, and the days would be terrible. And some days, I, you know, the days that I remember to do it, they would be much more, more tolerable and palatable. And things started to move forward. And I became a believer not, not because of someone telling me that I needed to do it, but because of actual results. I love the way we pay attention to results in recovery. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. How's that working for Okay, yeah. you're not praying and meditating? How's that working for you? How about giving prayer and meditation a shot and then compare your life with it and your life without it? Because that's how people in recovery judge things. They judge it through experience, not through opinion. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I have a, <clears throat> a buddy who was... Uh, uh, was claimed to be atheist. Uh, now he claims to be agnostic. Now he's not too sure if he's e- even that. Who said that? He said I'm very scientific minded, and my sponsor told me when I when I balked at, at prayer and meditation, he said, "All right, <clears throat> Bob, what do scientists do?" And Bob says, "Well, I don't know what do scientists do." And he goes, "They experiment." <clears throat> and then his sponsor basically said the same thing that this guy told you. And Bob said, "Wow, it, 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 the results was amazing." And now uh, Bob is—he's uh, hitchhiking a ride every Sunday to this this church across town, and uh, he's still uh, on his on his journey here with this whole thing. But he's he told his friend that gives him a ride. He says, "You know, that's the two best hours of my day is going with you." And this guy wouldn't have stepped foot in any kind of church, synagogue, uh, uh, mosque, anything before. Uh, so, wow. I mean, there you go. Yeah, you know, listen, try it. Uh, the only scoffers at prayer and meditation are those who have not tried it enough. You know, that's, that's absolutely, that's absolutely what I, what I believe. Uh, uh, you know, absolutely. You know, what, what I, what I've done over the years is I've really experimented with these these uh, these disciplines. Uh, um, I've, I've been because they're broad, they're roomy, they're all inclusive. They're never exclusive or forbidding. And and you know how that can be expressed is there's many different type of types of devotional stuff. You know, uh, uh, not that this means anything. Not that this means that you know my sobriety is better than anybody else's. But uh, you know, I've I've been way more comfortable in Christianity, you know, in these last 25 years than anything else. I was, I was, you know, raised a, a Christian, and that, that's really where I find my truth. However, I engage in comparative religious studies. Uh, I've, I've been learning and practicing certain Buddhist disciplines for a long time. I'm in the middle of a book now uh, called uh, uh, The Idiot's Guide to Hinduism. And, and I'm, you know, more than halfway through it, Monty, and I'm, I'm learning about the oldest religion in the world, which is uh, basically Hinduism. And it, it's, it's interesting to see, you know, what they do. Again, you know, I'm much more comfortable in the, uh, 
Christian disciplines, but 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 I, I see I see a wonderful palette of spiritual tradition out there of religious tradition, and and what it tells me is is you know you may have a, a, a different book you you but but it, but it, it's it's all about the Father it's it's you know it's all about it's all about the ultimate truth of the ultimate reality, which is God. And there's different donkeys that you can ride in the direction of that God. You, you know what I'm saying? And, and I find a lot of them very interesting. I think we need to stay true to, you know, what's true for us as, as, uh, you know, as spiritual people. And what's true for me is the, is the Christian disciplines. But, but, I, but I still find it very, very interesting, you know, learning about a lot of these other things. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. And, and then, you know, we learn to eat the meat and spit out the bones, I guess, if we run into something that's, that's, that doesn't fit right with our spirit. But, you know, I got uh, Wade Coffee used to do coffee with the coffees with me. He says, you know, right. here's, he says, Here, here's the deal. <clears throat> and he's a Christian man, too. He says, but if you if you're following a certain spiritual path, please investigate it. Read about it. If there's a book, get into it and do what it tells you to do. <laughs> yeah, right. You yeah. know, you know, uh, experience it. Absolutely, put it in yeah. practical application. You don't just. Uh, uh, yeah, it's not an intellectual discipline or practice. right. It's a. Uh, Right, it's a, it's a spiritual discipline. That's really great. That's really great advice. I have a, and, a, a friend that goes to uh, Dogs on the Roof here here in town <clears throat> meeting, and uh, he, he he's Jewish. And I was asking him about the, the different celebrations around the holidays, and I was fascinated. I was just I was eating it up, man. I was like, you know, I would really love to go to a temple, at, or I guess the phrase is go to temple. Uh, and and experience that, uh, but you know we can learn so much from each other. That's one of the great things about um, uh, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous is, is the, the diversity uh, that's there. If if we poo poo everything, we could just possibly miss out on some wonderful wonderful experiences that will just enhance uh, our lifestyle today. I, you know, I definitely believe that. Uh, you know, one of one of my favorite spiritual advisors that I ever had uh, was a man named named Joe Hawk. And he spent five years studying with uh, a Zen practitioner. He spent five years studying with uh, an uh, an American Indian wise man. He spent five years studying with the Dalai Lama's principal tutor, and he spent five years studying with one of Thomas Keating's disciples. Uh, uh, Thomas Merton's uh, disciples, Thomas Keating, who, who's a, a Christian mystic. And, uh, you know, I, I saw that as so, so cool. He, he was actually a trust fund kid, so, you know, he could run around and, and do this stuff without <laughs> having to hold, that, hold down a job. You know, I've, I've unfortunately been uh, tethered to a job, uh, you know, for a long, long time. So, I, you know, I can't run off to India. But, but he, was, he was able to, and, uh, he, you know, he learned a whole lot of stuff. But I'll tell you what, his foundation was always the 12 steps. Even after 20 years of discipled study, yeah, his his the foundation for his operational methodology was the 12 steps. Because he knew they were, they were of... God, you know, and yeah. and these other disciplines you can practice as well as, but it would be foolish to practice them instead of. 
if you're an alcoholic yeah. or an addict. Right on, right on. Well, folks, we are out of time. Uh, Chris, stay on the line because I have a question for you. Uh, but, sure. folks, don't forget, you can go back and play on, on the page here. You can go back and play all these shows. Uh, the first three, you can actually download to your device and keep them. Those are free. You can listen to these shows anytime you want to for free. Uh, and we're finding that our webpage is doing real well as far as being smartphone friendly. So, so that's really a cool thing. Uh, I want to tell you <clears throat> that our email address is take12radio at comcast.net. E- email us with your questions, your comments. And uh, if this is the first time you've listened, you can go to aa.org uh, and you can get the PDF file for walking through, I mean, for walking through the, uh, excuse me, the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions book. Uh, so you can read along with us next week if you'd like. All right. Until our next broadcast, my friends, this is the Monty Man along with Chris Schroeder wishing serenity for you. This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting. Yeah.